the hardest thing is that I'm my, my own producer, so I can hear myself on a lag, which means I can't listen to myself when oh. I record. Otherwise, it just throws me off. Like, I literally can't speak. I have to slip my voice down so that I can catch up on audio. Anyway, this is the Van Man Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm the Van Man. I've got a very special guest with me today. I've got my friend Brian Red with me here today. How you doing, Brian? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh. You're so professional. <laughs> You're going to be an excellent guest, I can tell already. <laughs> You've prepared for this, I can tell. Not very much, but... No, that's okay. I've got prepared questions. So, uh, Brian is an electrical engineer, and uh, he's, we'll kind of get into his origin story and why I want him to talk about electrical engineering, um, but the thing that makes Brian special in my eyes, and uh, try not to get teary-eyed here, <laughs> um, no, but ever since we were roommates, Brian's always been just like a lifelong learner. And I've always admired um, basically how you just want to learn everything. And it's not just electrical engineering. We kind of talked about how electrical engineering is a combination of several things, and that's why you're drawn to it. Um, but I've never even considered electrical engineering as something I was interested in. But every time I talk to you about it, I'm all of a sudden super interested in it because you just get so passionate and excited about it and uh, about learning in general that I think you'd just be a really interesting podcast guest, which is why we're here. So thanks, man. Thank you. (laughs) I hope everybody enjoys. I know electrical engineering probably isn't my typical uh, customer's, uh, I don't know, their typical thing that they like. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. Yeah, but uh, I'm excited. I've got some cool questions here. But before we dive too far into it, I kind of want to know, and for everybody, what's your origin story of electrical engineering? How did you decide on that and get into it? I mean, I've always liked math and science. I just think they're cool. Um, I think it really started when I, right before I started high school, the summer before high school, I took a amateur radio class. There was a, a man who was teaching a class who my dad knew. And so my dad and I went and took the class and my best friend at the time um, took the class with me. And, like, you're learning about radios. And, like, I wasn't super into it at the time. But I noticed that the guy who was teaching the class just, like, I thought like him. Like, the way he looked at the world, I, I don't know. He was a really nice guy. And, I don't know, it just kind of clicked for me. And so, I, I would participate in ham radio nets like after i got my license and those are just like conversations on the air and i thought it was really cool that there's this magical radio thing that we could use to communicate with other people and then i realized that those radios were in our computers in terms of like wi-fi chips and we carry the we carry really sophisticated radios in our pockets now our cell phones and the more i learned about it the more i just thought it was really interesting so when i got to college i um, I was looking into a few different programs, like a math program, a physics program, and I took some engineering courses and it just clicked. So, Okay, so you mentioned that you noticed you kind of think like him. Uh, can you describe that a little bit? Like, how do you kind of view the world in that way? Yeah, he, um, he thought very analytically. I think I think very ana- analytically. No. I, I don't like ambiguity. <laughs> I don't like uh, people's feelings. I just... I really like cut and dry, like, this is how the world works, this is how to do things. I just, I'm really drawn to that. Um, He had a really dry sense of humor that I thought was hilarious. Uh, And, yeah, he just seemed like 
his career I, I honestly don't even know what he did for his career he worked for a defense contractor and i don't really know much i just know he worked with radios right um and you just were drawn to that analytical analytical way of thinking and just kind of connected with that through ham radios yeah um i have my ham radio license i mean <laughs> even though i'm very rusty and probably wouldn't get on the air like without taking a refresher course or something but for people who didn't take a course and don't have their license can you kind of just give a snippet on what ham radios are yeah we, also we can spend the whole half hour on ham radios <laughs> if you want that is totally fine so say as much as you want yeah i'm not super active in the community anymore um but basically all amateur radio is is you get a, a license in america you get it through the fcc the federal communications commission and it gives you permissions to build your own radios to modify your own equipment and to transmit on the air um and then with those privileges you can talk to people um they're like walkie-talkie style radios that you use to communicate with people in your general area they're much more powerful than cell phones um for example your cell phone can only communicate maybe a couple miles but ham radios can like a handheld ham radio can communicate maybe 50 miles away but then there's also more intense radios the hf rigs as they call them they can communicate around the world okay what do you mean by that when you say your phone can only transmit a couple of miles um radios you require power to transmit right right they're creating these waves that are kind of like light and you send them into space and then other people can use a receiving radio to receive that energy and decode the information that was put in that energy okay um, so when you say only a couple of miles you're saying your phone really only transmits to the satellites right that's it well to cell towers so cell your towers, phone sorry. contains a battery and if you wanted a super long range it would require more power and your battery would die very quickly and so there's there are these trade-offs between um, how strong your signal is and how long your battery can last and how clear your signal is things like that so uh, having a good strong battery in your cell phone isn't just about being able to be on instagram for two extra hours a day and having your phone last it also has a lot to do with actually being able to transmit and actually making calls and well strong signal well right um that's actually a different thing if you're on instagram you're using wi-fi and that's just a different radio protocol right but i guess what i mean is i just thought the battery was so that the screen turned on so you could see color i didn't no, realize that yeah, it was yeah I didn't realize that the radio waves are that big of a drain. I would not have guessed that that's oh, yeah, even really a major factor. Definitely. Yeah. Your screen, I think your screen actually is the biggest power draw on your phone. That makes sense. Yeah. But all of the radio communications are significant for yeah. sure. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're on the podcast, Brian. Because <laughs> every time I talk to you, we've even talked about cell phones before several times, actually. And <laughs> it's like these... Funny little facts that well, never really knew. And it's crazy because people can be very proficient with technology and not even need to know anything about any like wireless communications at all. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit. Explain that. What do you mean by that? I mean, you don't need to understand. You don't even need to know how Wi-Fi gets from your phone to your router in your apartment or whatever. Like most people think, oh, I, I can use the internet. I know how to use my phone. It's just so... The engineering on it is so great that people don't even realize that it's an issue. Like, I think it's, I don't know, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's it's not an issue as in 
Like it's, if I understand you correctly, it's kind of like the information is right there. It's right in front of people and they just don't even realize how, how complicated how the complicated systems it actually is. Yeah. How complicated the systems are that actually deliver that information to them. Yeah. I remember very specifically when I was studying for my ham radio license, um, this is again, five years ago and you were explaining some concepts to me, excuse me. <clears throat> and, uh, I remember you, th- like the, the point that electrical engineering kind of like clicked in my mind as something miraculous was when you pointed out that they go through walls <laughs> yeah. and it's such a stupid, simple concept. Like, oh yeah, of course. But like, no, it goes through some walls better than others and cement walls. It doesn't go through, but like normal walls, it can. And th- other things can't do that. Light can't do that. But radio waves do. And I was like, that. this is, it, again, it's just one of those things that's right in front of our eyes all the time, but we don't understand that it really is these invisible waves that are just around us all the time doing this thing. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And you get you can get some pretty wild things if we want to go on that. But like, if you have really long wavelengths, you can actually get, there. for example, walls will be invisible to long wavelengths. But the ionosphere acts like a mirror for those frequencies. So I used a ham radio once to communicate with a man in New Zealand, like half a world away, just using these invisible waves. (laughs) But if I were to use a much higher frequency, um, walls might be opaque. And so you might have to have line of sight communications to make something like that work. So there's so many design parameters when you're designing a radio system of um, like the frequencies you choose can impact how well or like the the effective range that you can have. And so that might be an advantage or that might be a disadvantage. If you want a very secure system, you might want really high frequencies that can't penetrate walls. And then you know that no one can listen to you. If you want to talk to someone around the world, you might want really long frequencies so you can get it to bounce off the ionosphere. Like that's magic. it it really is uh how does just speaking about like having a secret radio radio waves and having uh line of sight uh can you kind of dumb down i guess like coded or encryption like if i'm if i'm in the military and i want to send something to my secret base and i don't want the enemies to be able to listen in on that how does that work like I know that's such a stupid, complicated question. <laughs> Your eyes just like widened. Like, <laughs> well, this is definitely—I'm not an expert in this, but I find it interesting. So I'm disclaimer. Yeah. Okay. So I—I I might get details wrong here or there. Um, but encryption is a really cool process. Um, it's—it's it's a very broad question. Hmm. It is a big question. <laughs> I, I totally put you on the spot. <laughs> but like, uh, how, like, is it possible for someone to just listen into my phone calls? Technically? Uh, if they I, knew what they were doing? Technically. So most of the time, maybe the NSA knows, the National Security Agency. Right. They might have backdoors that we're not aware of. Uh, most of the time... Um, your information is leaked through other ways. So, for example, you have an insecure password and someone can guess what your password is and then they can get into your accounts covertly and then they can read messages that you've sent. Or um, specifically for phone calls, there's an attack called SIM swapping. If you've heard of a, a SIM yeah, card in your phone, so. 
Yeah. Um, you can kind of spoof that card. And so, I mean, most of the time it's not actually breaking encryption. It's other security things that have gone wrong. Okay. So people aren't generally hacking the actual waves of calls. They're usually getting your information from some other way. Oh, right, right. So I, I think it was 1G or 2G. Maybe 2G was the first time they had encrypted um, like phone calls. But cellular, oh, whoa. Yeah, phone calls used to be unencrypted. And so you could just, huh. you could turn on the radio, your radio, scanning radio, and just listen to other people's phone calls. And then people quickly realized that that wasn't a good idea. Whoa. They started encrypting their communications. So now encryption is like a very important part of how we use the internet. Our phone calls are encrypted. Um, if you ever see HTTPS when you go to a website, mm -hmm. that means that everything except the destination is encrypted. Um, if you just see HTTP, everything's in plain text. So anyone on the internet could see um, those packets, like the information coming from the website. So that S is really important. Yeah. So a lot of modern browsers will enforce HTTPS so right. that not everyone can um, see what you're, what you're, see doing. What you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Is that Okay. Just as a side note, it's just wild that we went from just talking about radios to now talking about computers. Well, it's right. Like it's it, very related. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have <laughs> my limited knowledge on electrical engineering. Um, but you did just kind of going back a little bit and also just to make sure we don't get too far into like the weeds. <laughs> um, you, you previously mentioned that, you know, it's really cool because this stuff is right in front of our eyes and you know, on Monday when we talked about doing this episode, you talked about um, having like access to that information in a way that people can kind of use it in a day-to-day -day sense and not have to know, well, not have to have a degree in electrical engineering. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Like if I'm just a regular dude who doesn't want to get a ham radio license or, well, I am a regular dude, <laughs> mm -hmm. but if I don't want to go get a degree in electrical engineering. What are like the practical applications of being able to understand some of these things? I mean, I focus on wireless communications. So right. anytime you want a computer or a person to communicate with some something somewhere else in the world, um, wireless communications makes that a lot easier. Sometimes it's a requirement. Uh, I specifically study aeronautical telemetry, so that's getting data from airplanes to ground stations. Um and so, for example, you can't have a wired connection between an airplane and a ground station, but you still need information from the airplane. So that that has major security or uh, safety impl um, implications for like on commercial flights or whatever. Right. Um, and we were talking about even, uh, you know, well, you have an antenna on the top and bottom of the plane, but if the plane banks, all of a sudden there isn't line of sight. So the antennas can't see the you know ground controller whoever's on the ground trying to receive that message right. so now it becomes an issue of how do we keep the connection that way we continue to be safe while still being able to maneuver safely and it gets even more complicated when you talk about non-commercial flights like jets things that are going wicked fast and yeah. turning all the time and, and and moving very quickly yeah so electrical engineering i think is really cool because it it can solve like it gives you tools to solve very abstract problems that most people don't even know are problems. Like um, 
for example, there's like a, it's called multipath in wireless communications and it's essentially like an echo and the echoes in radio communications can cause um, really poor quality of service. Okay. When you say echo, does it, is it me on my cell phone actually hearing an echo? No, it's, it's, so when your cell phone is trying to talk to say a cell tower, Uh the radio waves will actually take different paths. Like one could bounce off the ground, another could bounce off some buildings yeah whatever and if they come back at the wrong time they might cancel each other out and make it and make the signal really weak or appear really weak at the receiver okay when you say cancel each other out i'm thinking back to my high school classes and i'm literally picturing a wave and you're saying the tall humps on the wave are meeting at the wrong points instead of lining up yeah so this wave is at its height and or its peak and this other wave is at the bottom, and those cancel each other out. Exactly. Because they're just not quite aligned. Okay. Yeah, you that's can called yeah. <laughs> destructive interference. Ooh. And so, um, an electrical engineer's job is basically to take in all of these factors and design systems that can overcome them. And so, there's techniques to overcome issues like that. And that's basically what I'm studying for my PhD. so how to like well how do you do that (laughs) like if you're in a a city or like i i I don't know like if you're somewhere in the middle of the city and there are hundreds of buildings you can't can you accurately predict how long or what the waves are going to look like two miles away at the radio tower cell tower um so does that make sense is that (laughs) yeah so you can make they're called stochastic models you can make models of various types of environments and then you can design your systems to compensate for those characteristics so for example um in 5g phones there's multiple transmit antennas and receive antennas on your phone so that if the signal is um strong in one place and weak in another at least you have the strong place to receive your signal or there's other techniques called um spread spectrum techniques where instead of just transmitting at one frequency you transmit at a whole array of frequencies and so if one frequency is better than the other you can rely on it's very unlikely that you'd have poor a poor channel a poor communication link at all of those frequencies so you can spread it in frequency you can um spread it in time you can transmit your message multiple times or there's um techniques called error control coding okay where you can um, send messages and detect if something has changed and make corrections Um, okay so these are you're listing examples of ways that you can kind of combat that so that you can get a still have a good signal essentially yeah um and is your job to, or or I guess are, are cell phones trying to use all of those? Or are they trying to find the perfect combination of those to make the best cell phone? Or like are all of those factors that that companies have to use? Or is it we're going to pick three out of these five different ways? Yeah, so that's kind of like what the uh, standards are for. So if you've okay. heard of like 3G, 4G, 5G. Right, yeah, yeah. Those kind of define... Those define a lot of things, but one of the things that they define is physically how to construct waves, radio waves, so that um, they have these good characteristics. Uh, rate like 
cell phones have different requirements from like FM broadcast stations. When you turn on the music in your car right. to a radio station, which fewer and fewer people are doing, but those have very different requirements than your cell phone because they're not they're not power limited. It, an FM transmit station can plug into the grid and transmit at super high power, but your phone has to operate on a battery and people don't like their battery lasting two hours. They want it to last several days right. if possible. And so you have to take into account all of these different variables when you're designing systems for various um, like use cases. So as we get further along, right, 4G, 5G, 6G or whatever, these the, basically the system is getting more complicated, which is going to be a bigger drain on the battery. So now we got to figure out how to have better batteries as well. So, right, but sometimes the improvements are you don't actually need as much energy as you were using okay. before. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, this is going to be a super meta thought, and mm -hmm. I apologize to everyone who's listening and mm -hmm. made it this far, but uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to do a podcast and one of the reasons I think these kinds of conversations are fun is because I never, like, I never grew up thinking, I want to be the guy who designs 5G, you know, or I want to be yeah. the guy who solves those kinds of problems and goddamn, i wish i knew you know like i wish i knew that there were more options besides firefighter police officer and you know join the army you know because yeah. that's like that's just kind of what i grew up thinking as a kid like those are the jobs that are just very obvious but there are s these super niche jobs that are solving incredibly complex problems that are super fascinating and like I, I couldn't like who knows who knows what that is like mm -hmm. nobody's telling their kid to go do that even though it's a super interesting complex problem yeah and i never thought i would be working with radios as a kid like that's yeah good point but it for me i feel like i've had a pretty clear direction in life a lot of people our age uh struggle to find kind of their passion for me i feel like it just kind of fell into my lap i just thought oh this right. is this is kind of a a cool mm, thing i could possibly do later on in life and then it's just worked out for me. So in that sense, I'm really fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you say that so casually, but in reality, every time I talk to you about radios, it's like you're just smiling this entire time. <laughs> like you love this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't downplay that. <laughs> you love this. this is I do. Passion. I really do. <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> so whatever, um, just can you brag for everyone just about some of the, like, I guess, home projects that you're able to do, some of the simple things that you're able to do, whether you've done them or not? because of this knowledge um yeah i it, like if you're looking to i don't know how many of your listeners would actually be interested in this but there's a really cool device called an rtl sdr it's i don't even know what rtl stands for but it's a sdr software defined radio and it's basically okay. like a scanner you can think of it like a, a police scanner okay but a bit more sophisticated and it's just like this USB dongle that you plug into your computer and it can receive all sorts of um, signals. And so you can do a lot of really interesting stuff. Like you can decode flight data. You can... What? Like um, airplanes are constantly sending um, information to the... Uh, Ground controller or whoever. Yeah. And you can like decode those. So like you can go to an airport plug this into your laptop you look like a hacker sitting out in your car and you can just like get all this information about airplanes or you can set up um a, a buzzword is iot internet of things 
Okay. Um, you, you can create these, or you can program these little devices to do like home automation stuff. So there's like a, it's called the Zigbee protocol. It's related to the, it's like by the same people who created the um, Wi-Fi protocol. Okay. IEEE. They have the Zigbee protocol. It's like a low power internet of things protocol where you can automate things in your home using small little devices. There's a similar one called LoRa that's a long range device. Okay. So I have a LoRa device that I was able to communicate with. Uh, my friend has a similar device and we could communicate just like kind of like text messages. Right. Just by programming these little um, devices. Um, and you said home automation as well. Yeah. So you can do... So for example... Like turn on the lights? Yeah. I, I had one that would um, control an LED light strip in my bedroom. <laughs> and so I could turn it on. Classic. Yeah. So I, I, have a, I have a website and that server can control that light strip. So I can send anywhere in the world, I can send a message to my light strip saying, hey, turn on or turn off. I and mean... That, you built that yeah it, it's a very simple device it's a, it's surprisingly easy to make um but it's it's kind of fun it doesn't necessarily sell me on that a little bit because it doesn't sound surprisingly easy to make when i hear home automation i think that's the like it's a high-tech home right that's the stuff that you have to buy at the store you can't just make it well yeah you can just make it <laughs> I, I feel like I don't know. I'm trying to think of the home automation devices that I've heard of. How like, hard would that really be? Like, I'd have to make a website. I'd have to get this device. Would I have to code it? Yeah, like, but it's it's very simple coding. You, there's an example where you can just copy-paste code, essentially. Oh, okay. You just find it and you paste it. Yeah. The hardest part would be setting up your computer so that you could actually program the device. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's actually... It's not doing it, but it's getting to a point where you have the tools to do it. Right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> how, how about a, an automated van? I do have LED lights in here. We could automate this sucker. Oh, yeah. We can get sure. going. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see them right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. They just go around. Here, let me turn them on. This is going to be boring for everybody who's listening, but I think it's cool. We're going to do the rest of the podcast, actually, like this. Ooh, mood lighting. Ooh, yeah, a little spicy. Should I put on the red lights? <laughs> yeah. I've actually always wanted to do a podcast, like, just with the LEDs, but it's, you know, it's a little dark in here. So we're going to keep it like this, though. <laughs> I hope you're excited, because I'm thrilled. <laughs> this is great. You're one of, like, four people who's seen these lights. I feel honored. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, oh, no, I can't read my notes. Oh, no. <laughs> okay sorry everyone thank you we're just messing around um okay so wh where do you actually i have a couple of questions but are more tailored along the lines of like long-term goals so one you, you said you're getting a phd what what's what's the time frame on that and what are you going to do after that so i skipped my master's and i just went straight into a phd program that's not super uncommon in my field um i just finished my second year of grad school okay um so it's just, it just comes down to publications, basically, however long it takes me to get published. Hopefully that's about two more years. Could be three, could be four, who knows. <laughs> right. And you you told me, didn't you just publish something? I just submitted something. Ooh. So hopefully that gets accepted. 
yeah. Do you think it will? Is it does th- it typically get accepted? I think so. I haven't had a paper rejected yet. So Ooh. that's if this one gets rejected, it's because um the reviewers might not think that it's super applicable to the conference that I'm submitting it to. Oh, and, okay. But we'll see. I my advise I talked to my advisor about it and he thinks it's a good paper. So Okay. So what's after PhD? Good question. Um I wanted to do a PhD because um I wanted to do more research and design problems. It sounds like a lot of times um I I heard the statistic something like 80% of electrical engineers with a bachelor's um end up doing software engineering, which I think is really cool. Like I I'm hosting my own website. I read I listen to right. InfoSec podcasts. Like I Right. Um I like that, but I I want to be more on the design side and the research side okay so that could be that could entail an academic job becoming a professor doing research but i think right now working for say government contractor or maybe a big tech company would be more interesting to me okay that makes sense um along those lines uh what are 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 there any like big unsolvable problems in electrical engineering and do you have any aspirations of trying to solve one or two of them or one or two of them that call your name that's a good question thank you Uh, (laughs) um because i mean it sounds like unsolvable problems yeah because i mean there's always like the push for what's better than 5g right there's always going to be this what's the new frontier but are there any i don't know i'm trying to think of examples in other other fields which might be unfair if i can't think of any examples but i don't know are there any like i don't know big astronomical questions in electrical engineering that are just there i feel like engineers kind of they always frame their problems in terms of like what's feasible and what's not okay so what's not feasible hmm i love that anybody who's listening is just listening to silence but i'm just looking at brian's like (laughs) eyes just like light up and look at this the ceiling just thinking i mean one one thing that i think about quite a bit is security um okay because every time we, um, I don't know, everything we do gives information about ourselves. And we're increasingly in a world of lots of surveillance. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing, this isn't necessarily related to uh, what I do on a daily basis, but I just think one really interesting problem for the next couple decades will be how do we manage our privacy and security but still maintain like all the efficiencies of modern technology right um because on the one side it's really nice that i get tailored app or tailored ads on multiple different platforms and across platforms and it's there's like legitimately like it's it's kind of nice sometimes because if i uh 
you know, look up something or look up something on my friend's phone or something or shared Wi-Fi and then I see the ads on my phone, like that makes sense. And then it's kind of like, oh, I can continue this search for buying this. And I, I legitimately enjoy it. I actually buy from Instagram ads occasionally. <laughs> but I agree. It's kind of like I don't know that I want everybody looking at my messages or some of that information being available. Is right. that what you're saying? Yeah. And another thing is we give a lot of information to people who then take care of that information for us. And we don't necessarily control how secure, how securely that's being stored. So you can, um, there's an interesting website. I think it's called, have I been pwned? Oh, what's it called? Have I been pwned.com? I forget. It's something like that. Uh-huh. And you can check to see if your email has been released, has been um, found in any major data breaches. Whoa. And so, for example, if that information is out there, it might connect you to your real name, might connect you to a phone number, which gives information about, say, your location. Um, there's some really sketchy things. So on my website, um, for a while, I was tracking every IP address that was visiting. So like every time you send a request to a web website, they need to know where to send the information back. Right. And usually that's tracked in the... Uh, IP address and usually that's somewhat connected to your location and so right. for example just all these weird little things I once sent a link to my website to my friend's phone who is running Android he's using the messages app and you know how you get little previews um, uh -huh. when someone sends you a link yeah yeah well that link to get that preview you have to ask the website like hey what's there what's the preview what do you want me to show and so i got his ip address when i sent the link and i could tell that he was in his home because i could look up where the ip address was and i knew that it was a residential ip and not his mobile carriers ip just because his phone was asking the website for the preview right and you're able to see the address that was asking for the preview right and so Whoa. that's not anything that he did wrong but that's yeah, that's just normal but just because i sent him that link that leaked information about his physical location like stuff like that is wild to me and i i am not a hacker i like i'm a very mediocre programmer at best but i could figure that out and so I can only imagine what nation state actors, what the NSA, what uh, the Lazarus group from North Korea, like what they can. What they're actually capable of. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's going to be a really big, interesting problem that's fairly related to what I, to electrical yeah. engineering in general. Yeah, I've I've thought about that a lot too. I mean, we've, we've talked about this using apps like Signal and stuff where uh, it is safe and secure. And I, I, maybe this is a little doom and gloom, but I do believe there's going to be like a breaking point at some point in our lives where too much information has, has been leaked. And I think there will be like a more public recognition of the negative effects of that. Because I've heard a lot of people say, hey, this is a problem. I'm scared of this. Or I've even seen videos of, of, you know, Twitter executives saying, uh, Everybody thinks that this is going to be a problem in 10 years, but we're here. Like, 
the information is out there. They already have enough data points on you to do whatever they want. And nobody realizes it. Yeah, a really common attitude is like we live in the US and I think a really prevalent attitude is, well, I don't have anything to hide, so I don't have anything to worry about. Right. But I think people kind of need to take the opposite or just a different paradigm and think you don't really know what you're showing other people. Right. Like I could determine my friend's location by literally sending him a text. Like that's that's just weird. That Yeah. So I don't know if I will end up doing that for a career, but I think that I that really does interest me. So when I design things, um, I like to take security in mind. Like I, I feel like my website has a, like it's not the most secure website in the world, but I feel like right. I haven't done anything stupid while setting it up. I don't know. Maybe right. it, maybe when this podcast is released, I'll see an uptick in hacking attempts on my <laughs> website. Attempts, yeah, I don't think uh, I have quite that following yet, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not ever, but that's just fine. <laughs> um, I do have one last question. We're kind of at the end of our time, but um, I'm. I think I'm going to start asking this at the end of every podcast, no matter what the content. So this is totally unrelated <laughs> to electrical engineering. Um, but it is related to me just respecting you as a person and, and knowing that you are a well-educated person that takes learning um, very seriously. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of just wanted to ask, uh, what do you think is, I guess, relevant advice for living a happy lifestyle? Um, when I think about that, I think of the times in my life where I've stepped out of my comfort zone to do something, um, new and challenging that's brought the most happiness to me. I think if people, at least for me, I think if I can continually do that throughout my life, I feel like I could live a fulfilling life. Um, I think that one of the worst feelings I could imagine would be getting to the end of my life and thinking, Hmm, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't build relationships with people. I just kind of stayed closed and in my routine. Like, yeah, you weren't uncomfortable often enough. Yeah. That's, I've used that exact term before in previous conversations. I, I really have to be uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds negative, but I totally understand what you're saying. Like that's being uncomfortable is what breeds growth. And people, and that looks very different, right? Right. People can be uncomfortable in very different ways. People can um, challenge themselves um, intellectually, physically, spiritually. Um, Yeah, I just... That constant growth, I feel like, is really important for everyone to experience. Amen to that. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed.